Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Very cool. So, yeah, like I said before, Megan Ulrich encouraged us to pick up the baton where we last set it down on the uh, control authority question. Um, so I think we, we a little bit, you, you had to leave quickly, Rob, last time, but me and Mike. Did you guys figure it out? Not really, but you texted me later, Mike, that you thought a better word for what you were trying to say was influence. Yeah. Because you were saying, if I recall right, if I could summarize your last thought, which you you guys both thought I misinterpreted it grossly. Uh, it was a gross misinterpretation. Okay. Was the way I had heard it was that, um, you know, that God gives us certain areas of our life to kind of govern like our families and that there's some measure of control that we're supposed to have over those things. And I objected that I don't think in a particular way, family is one of those goods that we can't and should not try to control. Um, and you guys blew up at me and I almost quit the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's the, how I left it. <laughs> that's where we left. <laughs> and that's where we are today. And here we are barely hanging on to friendship. <laughs> Hanging on by a thread. You were, I will say, you were very aggressive last podcast. <laughs> so thanks for acknowledging that. <laughs> thanks for thanks for your apology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm hearing is that you're saying sorry <laughs> and is, that I was this right. This is a species of control. This is a species of yeah, control. You're gaslighting me. Yes, this is true. This is true. Um, yeah. No. I think what I was objecting to was that, um, yeah, and I don't want to do the nuanced game where we're just talking about um, like different, yeah, which is very, I mean, it is very important, but um, I don't know. How how do you want to start with it? Because I do, I I have had a lot of thoughts and... um, I, I think the the conclusion that I've come to is that you can't control people. Mm-hmm. You you should not control people. Yes, but but that because um, people interact in the world, like that's this is the the place that we interact with one another. That there are certain positions that yeah maybe governance um, that proper authority has been given to somebody. And that the person has submitted themselves to the proper authority so that the other person can make decisions that control their life. Mm-hmm. That's not a manipulation or a coercion or a form of domination that tries to control another person, but that um, because of the order of the, the structure of whatever family or like we kind of use the military organization that... Mm-hmm. Leaders do have to control their people, but it's not a manipulation of free will or manipulation of a person uh, because 
they've actually f- freely consented to being controlled and commanded by somebody else. Yeah. And and so th- that that would be a, uh, a a caveat to certain situations. And I think similarly, family life, um, although children don't submit to the control of their parents, that to some extent, I'm not, and maybe it's not the right word, control, but that a, a, a father does have to control aspects of life for, in his family. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe it, the better word is like administrate or govern or influence. Um, but ultimately it does come to the conclusion that you're, you're controlling certain components of what they can and can't do mm-hmm. where you're, where you are and where you're not going to go. Mm-hmm. Like, and so th- those are kind of some maybe helpful additional thoughts that it doesn't mean that I'm just going around controlling everybody or something like that, but that mm-hmm. there is, there are times when you submit to proper authority yeah, the bishop, they tell us where to go. They control our life to to some extent, which we properly submit to. Mm-hmm. Just just a few examples like that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think there's also you could Thomas Aquinas this thing and pull apart all the different kinds of control. Like physically, we control people that we imprison, or children whose hands we hold uh, when they're standing in a street corner, um, or you can like emotionally control somebody or psychologically control somebody. Um, or just politically control somebody, you know, like the, through the threat of whatever taxation or this or that thing. Um, there's ways of creating incentives or, or whatever that, um, even whether they submitted to it implicitly, explicitly or not, there's just simply a victim of circumstance or like in the case of a child, they didn't ask to be born. But I mean, that, that to me was a specific example where, um, for me, it illustrates the point perfectly that control is this necessary evil in a world of sin where people can't simply be trusted with their freedom completely. And in an example like your child where you have this unconditional love and uh, responsibility towards them and they're good, uh, you can't just let them do whatever they want. And you can't let them run into a busy street or whatever because they don't know. So you you physically control them. Um, you might punish them for for misbehavior and stuff like that. But um, that is not like the problem is and why I why I was so willing to die on that hill is that it's very common that people don't see the they they fail to see the child rearing as like this is a stage that is not ideal like ultimately this person is free even though if they're two years old three years old i'm training them in freedom you know and like that's a very frustrating age because you just rather like put your shoes on and get your blah 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 you know get your backpack and just control the heck out of the situation because it's so chaotic um that you know this training in freedom um can fall by the wayside and even into teenage years and i i spoke with some friends um who are listeners about this and I'll keep it anonymous, but um, they're familiar with a case where a uh, mother has this app on her daughter's phone. She's now, I think a senior in high school, something 360 where that basically like tracks your location and how fast you're going in a car and what other phones you're around. And so it can track like who your friends are. And it's like super, super nanny state surveillance. 
Um, and it can tell if you like turned your phone off and all this stuff, of course. Um, so like basically as a teenager, she's utterly controlled and like they'll, they'll follow up like, Hey, it says you were speeding on this street. You know, like what, what's the deal with that? And just basically like, there's no privacy. There's no sense of Dude, freedom. That's intense. Yeah. Okay. So like, that's really to me, um, bad because it, it tells this daughter, like, I don't trust you at all with freedom. Um, you must be monitored all the time because if I don't see you, you, you will run away and do something bad. And, um, it creates this adversarial relationship between mother, daughter, father, son, whatever, um, where you are simply like, you are the state and I am a citizen and I like, I'm trying to get as much, I'm going to try, try to pay as little taxes as I can. And so, you know, there's not a, a relationship of interpersonal trust where I feel like when I walk outside, I, I am taking your heart with me. Like if I do something bad or if I'm hurt, that, that hurts you because, you know, we've built this, this relationship together. Instead, it's this, uh, I don't know if you, if you hurt me, that's cost me something. So I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that that doesn't happen through control. Um, and I've even seen, and I, I remember after we hung up, I thought about this thing. I've used, I prayed about it for a while. Uh, it was some, it was a dad I saw on a street corner on Harrison here. I was at a stoplight and he had a little like three or four year old daughter and he was on his phone talking to somebody and he wasn't holding her hand, but she just had her hand on his leg and was like looking up at the buildings and busy Chicago street. And he just had this, I was picturing myself as a little girl, like just kind of, she's not looking at the dad, but she just has her hand on his leg, knowing that he's there and, and can like enjoy the scenery and the chaos. And this, I remember being so scared of the city when I was a kid, but she just has the security of being next to her dad. But then also this trust that the dad has in this little girl that she won't run into the street and she, he knows her, you know, whereas certain children, like if you open the car door in the mall parking lot, like you're going to grab his hand as soon as he gets unbuckled from his car seat. Cause this kid is just going to run out into traffic. You know, like certain kids are like that. Whereas this daughter, he clearly knew she's just going to stay right by me. Um, and so even at that tiny age, like there's already this trust being built. Like, um, yeah, I, I'm responsible for you. And if you do something out of line, I'm going to control you temporarily to bring you back. But ultimately, like I, I revere the fact that you are a free individual and are not to be ultimately controlled so that when the time comes, like you can cut the apron strings and like fly out the nest, you know, do you get what I'm saying? So that's where I was coming from with a, like a, a certain prejudice against control. Cause I think it's so harmful to relationships and it stunts their maturation. Yeah. That, I, and I would, I would absolutely agree with that. I, I, I would totally agree with that. Um, I don't know, Rob, do you, do you have any thoughts? Um, no, I mean, it's, it's just kind of, I'd have to think more, um, even on, on just like the precise wording, which I know we're trying not to get, get into of, um, I think I, at least last time thinking back, there's like an association to me, like in talking about con control with order and, um, versus like, yeah, I think anytime I would, I would definitely put forward or concur that like, 
um, manipulation is like, if you want to kind of parse it out, like a, a, a bad form of control or whatever it is. So even, um, like that description of like the surveillance state phone, you know, and everything like that, like to me, that's, that's like trying to manipulate reality. And so I don't want to get like lost in, in the words, but I concur with what's being said, certainly, you know, um, but it is, it's, it's interesting. The only other thing kind of from, from that was just, um, I can't remember exactly where I was thinking on this, but, um, yeah, just thinking of like, you call it, call it whatever it is, but like aspects of life that a certain, whatever you want to call it, say control are, are needed that can go too far. Um, it's, I think the, the framework for it though, is when it's properly done would be like a training in the virtues. So like even thinking about the two-year-old and everything like that, um, like ultimately what you're trying to do is instill the classical virtues, which lead to happiness. They don't lead to, um, you know, oppression or like this suppression of humanity. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that's, so here's an example of what maybe it would. So yeah. What about a smartphone for a kid? The kid wants a smartphone. They're 11 years old and you say, no, you're not, you know, in our family, we're not going to do that or something. Or you put a parental control on the internet or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, again, not to parse the words too much, but I, I think, first of all, I would do that if I were a dad. Yeah, um, absolutely. For sure. But I, I don't know that that's, that's necessarily um, control. You're not withholding, you know, like if I were to withhold food until they did what I wanted, that's control because it's a necessary good, but I, I feel some, somewhat that's like protecting them. Um, you're just not providing this, this extraneous thing that's not needed. And in fact is very harmful. Um, like locking the liquor cabinet or something or, um, you know, there's a certain, it, it's, it's board, it's a borderline case, you know, like even it's right there in the name parental controls. Um, because if you if you open that gate or if you if you bring in this this uh, portal to the world of porn and addiction and all this stuff uh, that's actually irresponsible um, and all that stuff is subtly controlling the mind you know it's like almost protecting them from mind control um, well I know that like I mean and, and to maybe switch it to um like more of an internal thing versus like with other people. But I mean, we've talked about this of like my, I think my tendencies personally are to like order and plan and all of that. And I was telling you guys before we started, but yesterday was just like such a delightful day. Um, and went to just kind of, yeah, it was impromptu after mass on campus had, um, uh, someone that I really care about, like kind of show up because there was a scheduling like mix up. And, um, so anyway, a few of us went to see, uh, a movie and then ended up like one of the students hadn't gone to mass yet. And they missed mass to go to the movie during the week. And, um, 
so I was like, well, I mean, I got a free evening. Like I'll just say mass. And there was, it was literally like me and three, you know, three people. And it was, it was one of those moments, the, uh, it was how oh, the gosh, darn it. I'm going to bring up Athos, which, nice. I know you're, uh, <laughs> but just that scene of the, um, the monk that you, you talked about bisque of like, you know, what did he say? He had like two or three moments that made the last like 50 years worth it mm-hmm. or something like that. And, um, yeah, it was just, you know, subjective to, to me, but that was such like a cool moment mm. last night of like, man, that's that, like, that's just why I wanted to be a priest even was like an evening like that. It was so much fun and free. And, but at the same time, like looking back on it, like that was all present there because like I wasn't worried about like planning the upcoming liturgy. Like all that stuff was kind of ordered and, and under done control. in a way, um, which then allowed for this like just life, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm still mm-hmm. basking in, which is mm-hmm. really cool. Um, but there's also a recognition of like, man, if I lived like that every day, of like, oh, sweet. Now we're going to a movie. Let's go do this. Then we're going to go to dinner. Like just, I mean, I'd be miserable in like three days if I lived like that. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think to me, self-control and then having like your your situation, things, the way you're engaged with your duties, that that's under control. But th- these are things that are like actually almost extensions of your yourself, you know, like your, your technology, your tools, your house stuff, like having that under your control yeah, is all a species of self-control. Whereas then once somebody else comes in and this is your house that you control and you're like, don't sit on that couch. That's the, that's not, you know, that's the room we don't sit in. Like all of a sudden you're controlling the person and you're not, you don't have this freedom. Like what's great about that example is that you had all your, life in order, even the Triduum liturgies to the point where you were free to engage with the freedom of another and like an exchange of desires like, oh, you want to you want to go to mass? Oh, I can say mass. And this is good for both of us. And it's neither of us are, are manipulating. Whereas if he had said like uh, guilted you into saying mass and all this stuff, and like tried to manipulate or control you or if you if you guilted him or whatever, like there there's these subtle ways that that worms in there. But but by the very fact of you being in control of your domain, you were able to welcome someone in and adjust to him, you know, uh, in a way right. that was really free and generous. Yeah, the the order and control actually allowed for freedom to to exist. And I know that I felt it, as a priest the opposite, where people want to have that kind of like relationship of like, hey, yeah, just say mass for me whenever and do this and that. And like, let's just like hang out. And I feel controlled um, because it's like I can't possibly engage with all this, these demands on my time and my attention and stuff. And um, and part of it is like I don't have my life under control and I have too many obligations or something like that. Um, they're not properly ordered, prioritized. And so I just like recluse, you know, I just try to escape it. Um so yeah, yeah I don't yeah. think control qua control is is bad. I just I just don't think you should control people. Sure. Well, and and I, I mean kind of like what I started out with with the distinction between um 
control over people that have been given to your care to, to some extent, not, not in terms of like a type of manipulation or, um, or a type of, yeah, that you're, you're, you're treating them less than the free individual that they actually are. Uh, like those situations. And I, and I think of my own instance at like at home when I was growing up, I did not have a properly developed freedom that like I was, I was not trustworthy when I was young, big time. And my mom and my dad knew that <laughs> they, they're not stupid. They didn't treat me like a kid, but I had extra parameters to my life that I needed that were really, really important um, to always aim me towards the good when I was incapable of choosing the good on my own. Like, and I blatantly demonstrated that many, many times. I was a habitual line crosser. Mm-hmm. And so I, I needed mom and dad to actually, the way that I thought about it is like present a, uh, present reality to me in a way that says, hey, when you do good and avoid evil, when you pursue God, even in these secondary ways, like not necessarily in in prayer or the sacraments, but even just living a life of virtue, you, you flourish and that your freedom is actually, it actually grows and you can develop and, and goodness flows from that. And the times that you pursue evil and avoid good, that it actually destroys and does harm. And so there were, there were consequences to, the, to my actions that I had to learn and, and have enforced on me in a way that you, I, you couldn't just tell me, but, but I really needed somebody to help, to help honestly, like a type of liberation. Um, and, and all of that, like, you know, I I think is very important, especially when it comes to parenting. Uh, like I, you know, I got a lot of families that they have wild, wild kiddos. And like, I relate to that. And, and that's, that's really, really hard. And that's why it's so unpleasant because the parent wants them to be free as well. But the, the child is, is actually incapable of being free and, and choosing what's good and avoiding what's evil. And so then they do have to assert excessive control in order to keep their child from entering into, into harm, mm-hmm. like doing, doing damage to themselves and things like that. Um, and I actually, yeah. So I, I'm a pretty firm believer in those things. And in, in that relationship, again, when there's a proper ordering of authority that people have been given, uh, in a sense, is your responsibility that you have to, to govern and you have to guide them, that I, I'm okay with people enforcing some, some amount of control when, when it's necessary. And, and when things are properly ordered so that you have somebody that's submitting to proper authority. Um, but I think it's much more interesting. Like what you're talking about is a situation where people are, are freely coming together and sharing life together in just essentially purely a, a friendship way where you don't have somebody who's quote unquote in charge. You don't have anybody who's, meant to be in control, but it's free people gathering to exercise their freedom. 
Now then when control and manipulation enter into that, like I think that that stuff is very harmful and very mm-hmm. dangerous. Um, but I, I see that as like a different subset. If that, if that distinction makes sense there, um, it's outside of some type of a, a, a proper authority that has been bestowed on, on an individual. Mm-hmm. So if I could just make that distinction there, uh, well, and it tell me, and I don't know if I, I could have misheard you, so feel free to clarify, but there's yeah, something in me. Yeah, be careful, because if you misinterpret, you could get totally exiled. Lambastered. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm prepared. I'm ready. You're ready to quit the podcast? If I'm ready. Um, <clears throat> but, like, if we're holding to that example. Whoa! Um, <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. Whoa. We never said that. Okay. We never said anything about that. (laughs) Come at me like that. Jeez. Uh, But I, I don't know that I would. And I don't think you're like separating the two, but that's at least my experience. And maybe because there's like. Call, call them those like anointed moments. So like when just kind of the stars align and you're like, whoa, man, this is, there's like a timelessness about this in like in this, um, which is, which is certainly a gift, but humanly that's a fruit in a lot of ways of like previous order being present. Hmm. And so I don't, I don't know, like, um, but I, this back to your kind of maybe sticking point from from last time, there is something of like, I do think the like the experience of the kingdom of God, like in its fruition, will feel like like the experience will be more like that of like, wow, I'm just like, like I'm free and like these relationships are life giving and in this like different type way Mm. it's like those moments like where the veil are thin like that is at least what kind of my best understanding expectation of like the kingdom that has come will be like but in the here and now I, i don't know how you see something like that it is certainly a gift i mean like the babette's feast thing of like when the stars are a little bit closer like moments like that or evenings like that but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I would. I think I would definitely hold. That's also like a fruit of, um, like it's certainly discipline and order as well. I control. You could kind of take or leave there. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, Rob. I, I would agree that that night, which sounds super cool, is is a fruit of like yeah, your control over your own life and and your your calendar and your schedule and having that personal individual discipline that'll that allows for freedom to exist mm-hmm. within a type of order and in a structure and honestly it makes me think of that line i can't remember who said it i'm so i'm gonna quote you rob you're quoting somebody you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take <laughs> dang it stole it dude that hey, is I think what you're gonna say is 100% I put my pants on one leg at a time in the morning. 
Yeah. Just, I make gold records when I do it. So I jump into my pants. So I put them on two legs at a <laughs> the time. a great tweet that said, I put, my leg, I put my pants on just like everybody else with my fantastically expensive pants machine. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, shoot. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That a father um, that he provides in abundance for his children to enjoy. And... Like that does come from discipline and order and and structure and which, like you said, Connor is an extension. I think of that self control, so that when you're in, when you have self possession, you also properly order the world around you, which allows for the structure and order of then like free play to take place. Right. Because if you don't have that order, then then you actually can't play. Mm-hmm. And so there does have to be that balance between it can't be a- autonomous radical yeah unconstrained freedom anarchy that, that's that's chaos yeah yeah and that's even the hyper rigidity which leads to a type of authoritarianism and manipulation well there Where, you're like knocking on the door of um and i've had some good discussions with like people this year too on this but like when you're talking about there of like the importance of play and just time and everything like that the best stuff that and we've talked about this before but the best stuff on that, I think, is you can use like a Joseph Pieper and start talking about like, well, actually, the, the good there and the desire is for, he says, festivity first, which can lead to authentic leisure there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is basically So it's not worship. just, exactly, yeah. which, then, which then leads to authentic worship. Well, and I think that that gets to what I've been thinking about, which is this whole thing is about freedom and what freedom is really for and that little girl next to her dad to me why that was so iconic um of the kingdom is that she is free he's not controlling her he's not constraining her she could run out into traffic she could wander off and get lost and yet he trusts her not to like she is free but yet she's using her freedom to stay by the father and the whole prodigal son story is kind of that um, everything I have is yours. You belong here. Like this is the, the place of uh, reality in its order. It's hierarchical, as we mentioned a few podcasts ago. Like reality is hierarchical. There are structures of authority. I didn't get to write the law of gravity or the moral law or anything like that. Like I'm, I'm constrained by things that are outside of my control and above me in authority. And I can either assent to them or I can choose to try to buck them. Um, but that's ultimately a misuse of my freedom that leads into slavery, that leads into alienation, exile, outside of communion. But if I use my freedom, which is necessary for it to really be love, like if she was just a robot um, or if she was secretly on a leash, then I, it wouldn't really be like obedience. It wouldn't really be love and trust. It would just be this uh, like hidden slavery, hidden control. Or if I'd like, you know, hurt her to the point where like psychologically she couldn't leave me or whatever. She felt so scared of the world. I'd made her completely dependent on me. That's these sort of different levels and ways of controlling a person. Um, they're not setting you free. And that's to me, I run out of time here, but one of the most moving thing, moving examples of this is the relationship between Mary and Jesus, where like at the wedding feast, um, she says they have no wine. And he has that response, woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. And then she very confidently just tells them, do whatever he tells you. 
and she's not controlling the situation at all. And yet she is, she is ennobling him and, um, and basically telling him, and I read, well, maybe it was in the office of readings, but that like, he is saying to her, my hour is not yet come. Like, I don't know that you understand what's going to happen. If I, once I start my public ministry, once I, so I manifest who I am, <clears throat> where that's leading to, which is the cross. And, um, she'll be there to offer also spiritually and physically offer her son for the world. Um, like he's not mine to possess you know, this is this gift but um there is this hierarchical authority structure thing that she's she's his mother and yet um and can you know kind of tell him what to do in, in a way she could try to control him but she's completely serene and chaste in, in her way of loving jesus even to the point of saying you choose here i trust you to choose and uh and this is going to make you go away from me, you know, and out into this mission. And that to me is so, that, that is so beautiful of what, what's at stake if we don't ever get to that point in our relationships, even of authority, when I have, when I have an authority relationship over a person to uh, activate their freedom is like the number one uh, job, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And to, degenerate into a controlling relationship or, or thinking that these people are sort of like my calendar and my furniture and my dishes. Like I need to get them under control so that my life is all ordered. No, it's like I'm creating this order and stuff and living in the truth and the reality of this structure so that I can welcome people in and they can freely enjoy it and play in it and, and flourish. You know, dang man, that's so good. And I, I know we don't got time, but if we did a, if we completed the trilogy on this, that just, we're going through right now for SAU Newman, we're just starting, I call I, cause I didn't have anything else to call it, but I called it like an alignment process of just trying to like come together because we have all these great resources, even though we don't have a Newman center and like it's a commuter campus and weird in some ways to kind of, and it, it's just true of like, Hey, uh, like what I think of just because that's what I've been exposed to is like Newman centers is, are like big structures like Illinois and, and Nebraska and, and places like that. Cause that's been my experience, but like, that's not gonna, it's just not going to work at a place like SAU. And so we're, we're trying to come together and like really get on the same page of like vision and what we want to be about, which allows for like alignment, then which that will allow for like accountability with each other to really like stay to that of like trying to foster freedom. Um, But it's just, it's, it's been like fruitful for me at least to have a lot of discussions and um, challenges come up and everything. Um, But like even moving away from, like, hey, programs and things like that, like we can't like just figure out the right program to do or anything like that. But if we can, but we also are realizing like we have to try to discern, we're calling it like a skeleton of what we need to provide like stability for students and like, people that are entrusted to us 
but that is also like open and free enough to allow for like organic and authentic growth and life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a very, like, I find it to be a life-giving process to at least be talking about it. But it's very, it's very hard mm-hmm. because you're, you're asking the question of like, well, how do you foster freedom then yeah, in, right. in a person? And you can't just draw something up and let it roll out and expect like, oh, now we got it. Does that make any sense there? Mm-hmm. I do have to go though. Let's pick that up. Pick up that thread. Ah, dang. Dude, very good. Good chat. We're all still friends. Whoa. For now. Don't come at me like that. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> all right, peace, guys. Totally boxed in now, okay? <laughs> Later. Follow Free Dogs North on Instagram. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.